to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. While you're standing, we're going to read a few verses of scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 21. I don't know about you, but the presence of God is thick in this room. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing. We honor his presence. We honor our lead pastor, Pastor Chris, in his absence. But we thank God for what he's doing in the midst of us. Amen. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 21, Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone? No one else is with you. So David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has ordered me on some business, and said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you, or what I have commanded you, and I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from That's about three days since I came out. The vessels, the young men are holy. The bread is in effect common. Even though it was consecrated in in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread. For there was no bread there but the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord. In order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Dueg, the Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a sword or a spear? I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, verse 9, So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you would take that, take it. For there is no other except that one. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. You can be seated. For those who don't know me, I am Terrence Ford. I am the Body Life Pastor here at HPC. Those watching live stream, we welcome you to our service today. Today, for a few moments, I want to minister from the subject, remembering what God has already done. Remembering 
the things God has already done. I, I, want, I want to remind us today how praise is that many times in our lives, we, we have to simply remember what God has already done. The things we face, things coming, things that are ahead of us, sometimes we have to simply remember what God has already done. There are some things, church, that I don't want to remember. If I'll be honest with you, there are some things that I, I, I deleted, and I deleted them on purpose. I remember back in 95 when computers began to go in homes big time. I started building computers back then, and I remember programming computers, and I remember that there were some things you can delete and it's still that way today with cell phones, computers, so forth, Apple computers, Microsoft. It doesn't make a difference. But there's some things you can delete, but you can still go in the system and still find the files that you deleted. But then there's what you call a hard delete or a hard factory reset. And I got to be honest, there's some things that I had to do a hard factory reset in my life because I don't want to remember that. But there's other things that I can't afford to lose registry to in my mind. I can't afford to let it leave my registry. I got to keep it in my mind and in the forefront of my mind. I, I can't afford, I don't know about you, but I, I personally, I can't afford to lose in my registry how God has saved me. I can't afford to forget that. I can't, I can't afford to forget how how I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, but one day God saved me. I, I can't forget how he picked me up and turned me around and how he placed my feet on a solid ground. I, I can't forget how God has healed me. I can't forget how, how God has delivered me. I, I can't forget how he has kept me. How many of you know God is a keeper? I, I can't forget those things. I, I can't forget how God has provided those are the things that I want to remember. Those are the things that I want to keep in the forefront of my mind. And while many are looking at the things that God haven't done in their lives, I want to suggest to us today that we need to focus on what God has done and give him praise for that. Can we just pause for the cause and give God a praise for what he's already done? Hallelujah. I believe this, I believe because of the sovereignty of God, I believe when God is doing something, he's doing something, but when it seems like God is doing nothing, he's still doing something. Did you hear what I just said? I know it don't make sense. I know it may seem oxymoronic, but I believe when God is doing something, he's doing something, but when it seems like God is doing nothing, God is still doing something. There is an idiom or an artistic expression that we use that says hindsight is 2020. And this means that you can look back in the past and see what you did wrong. And since perfect vision is 2020, as you look back, you're able to see perfectly what you should have done, could have done, maybe what you've done right. Well, sometimes looking back is not necessarily to reveal to you your mistakes. It's not necessarily to reveal to you your flaws and your errors in life, 
but it also serves as a reminder for those of us who have been blood-bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, for those of us who have been redeemed, for those of us who have been, here it is, sanctified. We don't use that word anymore. Amen. Those of us who have been set apart, for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ and live for him, I believe that sometimes what we have to do in today's current situations, listen to me, we have to travel back to a former victory of yesterday. And as we travel back to former victories of yesterday, we need to draw strength, we need to draw courage, and we need to draw the power from the victories of yesterday and not leave the, the strength, the courage, and the power from yesterday's victories. We need to pick it up, grab it, and bring it to today's current situations and apply it to the battles that are in front of us today. That's what I believe that we have to do because what God did yesterday, he can still do it again. Amen. I believe as one songwriter wrote a song, this is what he said, if he did it before, he can do it again. Same God right now, same God back then. If he did it before, he can do it again because he is the same God. Hallelujah. You see, yesterday's victories fuels today's engagements. Yesterday's victories today's engagements because we as believers we have victory but the question is do we really believe that Jesus said I have come to give you life and that you may have it what more abundantly as a matter of fact church we have enough fuel to power us for the rest of our lives why because Jesus Christ has been crucified and he resurrected from the grave and it is enough fuel to power us for the rest of our lives, but do we really believe today that we have the victory? And it's time for us to stop listening to the voice of the devil. We have victory. Can somebody in faith operate with me and just shout that to the top of your lungs and say, I have the victory. I have the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has not forsaken us. Whether you're going through or not, God is not forsaking you. You have victory. Whether you're sick in your body or not, God is not forsaking you. You have the victory. Whether you're based or bound, it doesn't make a difference. God has not forgotten about you. You have the victory. Hallelujah. Listen, you having victory is not based on your circumstances. Reminds me of two things, happiness and joy. And I've always preached this all my life. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on circumstances. If my bank account is full, I'm happy. If my job, my career is going swell, I'm happy. If my family's doing well, I'm happy. If my kids are doing right, I'm happy. If everything is swell, I'm happy. But how many of you know God is, he's concerned about your happiness, but he's more concerned about the joy that he put inside of you. And therein is the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on circumstances, whereas the joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. Hallelujah, somebody. And, and the last time I heard the songwriter wrote, he said, this joy that I have, guess what? The world didn't give it to me. 
The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away because the joy that we have comes from the Lord that lives on the inside of us. Hallelujah, somebody. And so it's based on, hallelujah, what Jesus Christ has already done, the victory we have. It's based on what he's already done and us simply receiving and walking in his free gift of grace. I've discovered something. I discovered that a long time ago when I was just thinking out loud about this. I said, man, a police officer, they, they go and, 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 and they, 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 they get educated and trained in law enforcement. But a police officer, even though he's trained in law enforcement, if he's in his regular clothes, he can go out here on Midway, stand in the road, and he can do this right here, and people are going to look at him strange. Why? Even though he's trained, he's a law enforcement officer. He's trained, he's educated in law enforcement, and he can go out and stand and say, stop, stop, and people are going to look at him strange trying to figure out what he's doing, and they may drive around. But when he's been educated and trained in law enforcement and he puts on his uniform and he goes out and stands in the road and says, stop, guess what we're going to do? We stop based on the uniform, and as believers, as we, as we draw from that, the Bible says, watch this, in Romans 13 and 14, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you want to fully walk in the victory of the Lord, daily we have to wake up and we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in him. Hallelujah, somebody. That, that's why Galatians 5 says, walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. So daily, I put on Jesus. I wake up every morning, and this is what I say, Lord, I choose you today. I know I'm saved, but I choose you because the world has given me an alternate. And I don't want to walk in the world's way, God. I want to walk in your way. And so I put on you today, Jesus, and I'm going to walk in your grace. I'm going to walk in your, I'm going to walk in your authority and in your power. And I'm going to walk and live, hallelujah, in victory. Do I have any witnesses in the house today? Hallelujah. And so life, I've discovered that life is, is, is full of battles. It's full of battles. Now, now remember, as life is full of battles, because of the flesh, sometimes in this life, I've discovered that we'll lose a few battles. But the major thing to remember that's greater than losing a few battles as believers is the war is already won. Amen. Our Jesus, well, guess what? He was victorious. He is victorious. And because he's victorious and he reigns, we're seated in heavenly places with him. You and I, we reign and we're victorious also with Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as it pertains to battles, this is a good question. Just a thought provoking question for you right now. My question and my challenge for us today, what battles are you engaging in? Think about this. What spoils do you gain from the battles that you're involved in? What battles are you engaging in and what spoils? Because what I've discovered is sometimes we engage in stuff that's no profit to us. And what I want to suggest is if there's no profit inside of a battle that you're in, you need to get out of it. Because if there are no spoils, it's a waste of your time. Hallelujah. I mean, the Bible says, watch this, fight the good fight of faith. So if I'm going to fight the good fight of faith, if, if I'm not going to come out stronger and wiser and better, hallelujah, and more in love with Jesus, then it's a waste of my time. 
And I don't have time to engage in that battle. And so I want to challenge us today to start gauging what battles we're going to fight and what battles we're going to get involved in. So as we turn just a moment here, a corner here, and take a look at into the life of, of David today. <laughs> I love this. Saul, it's here in the text. You back up a few chapters. We're in chapter 21 of 1 Samuel. You back up chapter 14, 15, 16. We find a lot of detail, very important detail. Saul is king, right? Okay. Saul is king, but because of his disobedience, God have, has removed Saul, even though he still holds the title, even though he still has the position. David, watch this, has been anointed as king by the prophet Samuel. And so David has been anointed in the midst of David being anointed. David has a battle that he has to fight. David has to fight Goliath. OK, listen. David is not intentionally looking for this fight. <laughs> David is minding his business when all of a sudden his dad says, Dave, come in from tending the sheep and go check on your brothers. They're men of war. Go check on your brothers. Carry them some cheese and some crackers. Go check on your brothers and, and bring me back report. And so David is whistling as he's going along. And as he's going along, David is thinking to himself, man, I should be hearing some, some, woo, some war cries and something, but it's kind of quiet up in here, up in here. Amen. I, I mean, you know, they, they real quiet. What's going on? And David comes to the camp where the battle is set in array, the Israelites versus the Philistines. And David is like, where's everybody at? The Israelites, they're in their tents, peeping through the curtains like, whoo, this big giant over there. This Philistine warrior's over there screaming threats. And, 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 and the Philistine's over there, yeah! That's the only side that David is hearing something from. And, and David, watch this, he happens to stumble upon this fight, and he's in the midst of a bunch of people who have forgotten who they are, and I guess they would because their king's anointing flows down, and their king has forgotten who he was. Saul has forgotten who he was. As a matter of fact, if you back up chapters, you'll find how Saul forgot who he was because when, when the Philistines came up against the Israelites, Saul is sitting there looking at his watch and he's like, uh, where's the prophet? Where, whoo, where, where is the prophet? This, this thing about to get heated up in here and, and the prophet hadn't showed up yet and, and, and Saul gets out of his position, gets out of his anointing and does something he wasn't supposed to do. He makes an offering to the Lord that wasn't accepted and God removes him because he was the king, but he wasn't supposed to do prophet and priest stuff. And that's a word for some of us today. Stay in your lane. Do what you do. Amen. We all make the body of Christ work, but don't try to do what somebody else is doing. That's not your call. The weight may crush you. Amen, somebody. And so Saul got the whole nation confused here. They're, they're messed up. Hallelujah. But David comes along and David knows who he is. David is not dealing with an identity crisis, identity theft, or anything of that nature. David knows who he is. But watch this. 
David shows up and David says, what, what's going on? Why, why are y'all hiding? David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? David, no, but well, watch this, watch this, watch this. This is good. David has to tell his story before he can fight the giant. David, in other words, he has to give his testimony before he can go fight Goliath. What do I mean? Well, David shows up and Saul, King Saul is in his tent too when he should have been out on the front line. And Saul's like, who is this? Who, who are you? And he's like, Dave, I'm just David. My brother's out here fighting for you. And, and I come and I just want you to know if ain't nobody else going to fight, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and I will go fight that giant. And Saul was like, who you be? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> you want to go fight this giant? I mean, he's been a man of war all his life, but look at you. And, and David says, oh, King, King, hold, hold for a second. Hold your role. Let, let, let me tell you who I, well, let me, let, let, I can't tell you let, I, what, who I am don't make a difference. Let me tell you what I've done. One day, he gives his testimony. I was tending my father's sheep. And a lion came and took one of my father's sheep and I chased it down and killed the lion and, and brought my father's sheep back to the fold. Another day, King Saul, let me, let me testify here for a moment. A bear came in the camp and took my father's sheep and I chased that bear down and took my daddy's sheep back and killed the bear. That's who I am and I'm not afraid of that giant that's over here defying the armies of the living God, hallelujah. So he had to testify in order to fight. David understood something that we need to understand today. David understood, watch this, watch this, don't miss this. I will use my past sins and my past flaws and my past victories and I will witness of the goodness of the God, of the living God that we serve. Did you hear what I just said? David thought, I will use my, my flaws, my mistakes, my failures, and I'll use my victories to fuel my future and where I'm going, hallelujah. And I'm telling somebody in this room today, don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of where you came from. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus brought you out of. Hallelujah. Because I don't care if he had to reach way down, at least he picked you up and brought you out and set your feet upon a rock. Give him a praise for that. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. And so David's like, I, I don't care. And so you, you, you need to testify sometimes. Yes, I used to be a party animal. Yes, I used to be an alcoholic. Yes, I used to deal with devil drugs. Yes, I used to live promiscuous. Yes, I've committed adultery. Yes, I've committed fornication. But God, hallelujah, somebody brought me out. He delivered me. He saved me. And I'm no longer the same. Hallelujah, somebody. And so watch this. Saul says, okay, cool. I got you, David. I hear you. So <laughs> you're going to go fight Goliath, right? David said, yeah, I got this. I got this. Saul says, watch this. Let me put my armor on you. And he puts on his armor. And David is standing there like, clink, 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 clink. Man, I can't barely move in this. It's a note for somebody. Don't try to walk in somebody else's anointing. Don't try to walk in something God hadn't called you to do. 
David understood who he was, and David said, uh, King, sir, listen, I, I got to take this off. <laughs> Come on, somebody. It's some stuff you need to start taking off. Take off the titles that the world put on you. Take off the titles that people call you and start walking in what God has said about you. David said, I, I, I'm sorry, King Saul. I got to take this stuff off. It's just too much for me. It's, it's too much. I'll I, I tell you what. If I can just get five smooth stones, that's all I need. And the Bible says David took his five smooth stones and he steps out and, and Goliath begins to throw threats. Who are you? I'll take you, tear your carcass to pieces and I'll feed you to the birds. <laughs> and David says, I tell you what, you can throw threats all you want to. You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And this day, watch this, David starts prophesying to himself, God has delivered you into my hands. Hallelujah, somebody. And we all know the story. David slings, sinks in the forehead of the giant. He falls dead and David says, that's not good enough. He runs, grabs Goliath's sword and cuts his head off. Hallelujah. Mmm. And there's a lot of details in here that I don't have time to give. But of course, that sword is the sword that we're going to talk about today because watch this. From this point on, David gets recognition. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the women start singing songs about David. <laughs> and David's like, man, I was chilling, but man, I, I appreciate it. Y'all flattering me a little bit. <laughs> they start singing songs. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And Saul is like, wait a minute. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Time transpires. 14 years go by. David is on the run from King Saul. And he's gone from being a champion that Saul could depend on to fight his battles to being a sworn enemy of Saul. And Saul starts to resent David. And Saul begins to persecute David. And David is on the run for his life. And this is where we come at in 1 Samuel 21 today because David is on the run from his, for his life. We know Saul has thrown javelins at David, tried to kill him and all of these things. And, and David has had to leave in such a hurry that he doesn't even have a chance to get his weapons. And this is what David does. He comes to the temple and he runs into Ahimelech, the priest. And he says, King, he says, Ahimelech, I'm sorry. He says, Ahimelech, I need two things from you. I need you to follow me. I'm, I'm getting close to being done. I, I need two things from you. He says, what, what do you need, David? He says, I need something to eat. I need some bread for me and my men. Watch this. The priest gives him consecrated bread. Wasn't supposed to. <laughs> this thing is so good that even in the New Testament, when the religious leaders of the day were messing with Jesus, and they start messing with Jesus by him and his disciples, Jesus makes reference to this and says, have you not read? Do you not remember what David did when him and his men were hungry and they ate the showbread? that he wasn't supposed to eat. And, and, and Ahimelech says, watch this, I got the holy bread. 
But listen to me. Don't take this wrong. But God will break rules to bless you. And I'm not talking about wrong. I'm talking about Jesus being the fulfillment of the law. That's what grace is all about. Amen, somebody. Watch this. God will do whatever he has to do to protect and take care of his children. That's what grace is all about. I'm so glad that mercy is me not getting what I do deserve, but grace is me getting everything I don't deserve. Hallelujah, somebody. And so, so, so he gives him the showbread that he wasn't supposed to have, the holy consecrated bread. And then it says at verse 8, remember it's been 14 years since he, he slayed Goliath. With a sling and a stone, 14 years, he cut off his head and displayed it for all of Israel to see. Verse 8, David asked the Himalayan, he says, watch this, uh, do, do you have, the second thing I need, do you have a sword? I, I, need, I need a sword, I need a weapon. I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's uh, 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 request was urgent. Verse 9 says, the priest replied, watch this, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, who you slew, <laughs> who you killed in the valley of Eli, is here. Because your past victories are waiting for you in a place in your future. Hallelujah, somebody. Do you have a sword? David, the only sword I have is a sword that you brought when you killed the giant. So listen, again, your past, hallelujah, victories will be waiting for you in a place in your future Assignment. The priest says, there's only one sword here, David. I wish I could help you, but, but we're a church. We, we don't have military supply on hand, but we got this one sword. It is the sword of, of the Philistine whom you slew 14-something years ago. And watch this. Watch this. I love this. It's wrapped. Good God of mine. It's wrapped in an ephod. Come on, somebody. You, you remember when, when in Exodus when God told Moses to, to put together the, the, the vest and everything for Aaron and his sons, the priest to wear. And the ephod was one of those things that, that the priest had to put on. And watch this, watch this, watch, don't miss this. They would use the ephod to discern the will of God. And here is the sword wrapped in an ephod. And I believe parenthetically, church, we can draw from this to know that the will of God concerning your life is that he's going to protect you. He's here for you. He's got you covered and you have nothing to worry about. Hallelujah, somebody. And he says, David, do you want this sword? And, and watch David's response. David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. <laughs> And somebody in this room today, and what you're facing now, the giants you're facing, whatever it may be, you need to draw from your past, whatever it is, and say there's none like it, give it to me. My question for us today is, watch this, where and what is your Goliath sword? Where and what is your Goliath sword? Because remember, remember this, Goliath's sword was a reminder that in the midst of chaos, if God be for me, that's more than anybody who could come against me. Here it is. Here it is. David takes that sword. Give it to me. There's none like it. David says, watch this. I remember when that sword was aimed at my heart. I remember when everybody said I had no business fighting Goliath. 
I remember when my brothers told me that my heart was wicked and I had wrong motives. I remember when Saul told me to sit back and sit down. You're just a JV player. Uh, I remember when Goliath said, I'm about to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. But guess what? More than that, I also remember more than anything else, how I triumphed over that giant, not by sword or spear, but by the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah, somebody. And God wants us to know in this room today that the same way he did it for you before, guess what? He'll do it again. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. Hallelujah. So as I prepare to close today, I just want to encourage our hearts today. Watch this. What I'm trying to tell us today is the very thing that was meant to destroy you may be the thing God uses to deliver you. The very thing that was meant to destroy you is the very thing that God will use. Goliath's sword was meant to destroy David, but God uses it to save and deliver David. And what Satan wants us to do is he wants us to keep our past. He wants our, he wants our past to keep us trapped. He, he wants our, our past. I'm not, I'm not saying we, we're supposed to be boasting and bragging, but what I am telling us is we're supposed to testify. We're supposed to witness of the goodness of God and all that God has done in our lives. And Satan wants us to keep our mouth shut. Hallelujah. But how are people going to get saved unless they know what God has done through you? How are people going to get delivered unless they know that God is a deliverer through you? And what he's brought you out of and what he saved you from and how he made ways in your life. But you got to open up your mouth and tell why. Because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I'm going to open up my mouth and I'm going to tell about the goodness of God. And as you face your future, always remember what God has already done in your past. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for what he's already done in our past? What he's brought us through the hills, the mountains, the valleys. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my past. Because as pastor says, you got to tell your story, but you also got to tell his story. Tell your story. Witness to folks about what Jesus has done, but don't forget about the gospel. Tell them about what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing in your life. And that's how folks are going to get saved. And sometimes I think we get stuck in Acts 1 and 8. Acts 1 and 8, we love quoting it after we have received the Holy Ghost. Can I ask a question? How many in here are saved today? How many of you got the Holy Ghost today? Well, you need to know why you got the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 and 8 says, after you have received the Holy Ghost, you shall have power. And we stop right there most of the time. But the text goes on. The text goes on and says, to be my witnesses. Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. Don't forget that we are to be witnesses for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And in telling our story, I believe that what we share is the amazing grace of God. How sweet the sound. Praise God. Stand on your feet with me today. That saved the wretch like me. I don't know about you, but I, I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see.
It was his amazing grace. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for everything God has done for me. And so I lift up the highest praise to him. Hallelujah. Can we just, can we just form a quick atmosphere of, of, of hallelujah? Thank you, God, for what you've done. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the, in the midst of the giants that I face today, in the midst of the storms, the struggles that I face today, I just want to take a moment to look back over my life and reflect on everything that you've already done. And believe, as I've said it two or three times in this message, as you've done it before, hallelujah, I believe that you'll do it again because you are the same God. Hallelujah. And so God, I want to encourage someone in this room today that may feel forsaken. Saul's threats, Saul's attacks have been wearing them down. <laughs> but the encouragement is that I, I happen to run to the to the house of God and in the house of God the priest gave me a sword that reminded me of a victory that I had 14 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago and and God I'm going to use that to fuel what I'm facing today you are such an amazing God you are such a wonderful God and I bless your name and I thank you. And it's all in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you're not saved and you want to know about this victorious Christian living that I'm talking about, wow, what a wonderful time to accept Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. You know what the scripture says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're not saved and you confess your sins and you believe God, he'll save you just like that. If you're, you've backslidden, you've strayed away. I love the scripture with the prodigal son because many of us have found ourselves sometimes at different intervals in life as the prodigal son and we've strayed. But I love the fact that the son comes to the hog pen and he comes to himself. He has an epiphany at the hog pen and he says, I'll go back to my father's house. And the scripture says, as he turns the corner, his dad sees him. And watch this, his dad takes off running to meet his son. God wants you to know that if you strayed, I'll meet you right where you are. And I'll restore you back to the right hand of fellowship. Hallelujah. So no matter who you are, if you need encouragement today, I'm praying for you today that God will lift the burdens, that God will strengthen you that you would walk in this word, that you would remember what God has already done. He's done amazing things. He's done great things. Hallelujah. One more time, can we just celebrate him and give him a great big hand clap of praise? Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.